In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. The second reading from this weekend's Mass, the third Sunday of Lent, is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful result of faith and justification by faith. Justification, we know, is reconciliation with God. It's the change of state from being a sinner, someone who's separate from God, rebellious, to becoming a son or a daughter of God, reconciled with God. Justification. And faith in Jesus Christ is essential for justification. Faith is essential for being saved, being reconciled with God. We believe that we're sinners, and we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and therefore we're baptized in faith, justified by faith. And the result is so beautiful. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, St. Paul also tells us that you are our peace. Christ is our peace. And isn't that beautiful to think that when we're with God and we're with Jesus, we're at peace. Nothing really should disturb us. Nothing should be able to bother us because we're with God and God is all powerful and God loves us and God is taking care of us. And God is no longer a threat to us. We're not afraid of him because we are resolute in fighting against our sinfulness. We're resolute in coming to his mercy whenever we do sin out of weakness or even voluntarily. And that gives us a baseline peace. With God, everything is okay. Let nothing disturb you, says St. Teresa. Let nothing trouble you. God never changes. God alone suffices. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps our Lenten observances, Lord, can give us a sense of that peace that when we look for more solitude, more silence, when we give up things that cause our souls agitation in desiring them or agitation in using them or missing them, we experience a greater interior peace. It's kind of like going out into the country or away from the city area to farmland or to some lake area. And there's less traffic and perhaps there's no Wi-Fi 
and there's less machines. And you finally hear silence again, which is the silence of nature, the silence of a house where not a lot of things are buzzing or beeping or speakers playing. And it can be a little bit unnerving at first, but it's very peaceful. It's very restful to be in a place that's quiet, a place that is externally peaceful. Reminds me of that movie. There was an Australian movie called The Castle about this working class family fighting with uh, the government over their property because the airport nearby wanted to force them to move, force them to sell their house. And the whole movie is about them resisting this takeover. And at one point they go on vacation to this small house that they have in a place called Bonnie Dunes. And they're on their way there and the husband is a wonderful character, is singing the whole time. We're going to Bonnie Dunes, we're going to Bonnie Dunes. And finally they get there and, um, and it's not as nice as you would <laughs> imagine, but it's peaceful and he just keeps on looking out at the sky and the landscape and saying, oh, the serenity, oh, the serenity, ah, the serenity. And this is what we have to shoot for in our prayer life. Peace, or peacefulness. My peace I give you. My peace I leave to you, Jesus says. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let nothing disturb you. And how do we do that, Lord? Because we, like Martha, are anxious and troubled about many things. And we're in this world, and this world is anxious and troubled, and there are things that threaten us, or threaten our family, or threaten the church, or threaten our security, our national security. And so it's understandable, Lord, that we are going to be Disturbed, we're going to be agitated, we're going to be restless. So what can we do to establish this peace in spite of the things that we're worried about, in spite of the things that we're humanly striving for? How can we be at peace still, even though there are many causes for agitation, many causes for Restlessness, trouble, worry. And I think one thing is, is thinking about God more, right? With God, everything's okay. Right? And God doesn't let anything happen to us or happen in the world without it somehow being part of his plan for us and his plan for the world. There's two kinds of wills of God. There's two ways in which God's will works. There's the express will of God, where God does something directly, intervening in the world, or where God commands us to do something directly. That's God's express will. And so that we love one another, that we pray, that we access the sacraments, that we're sorry for our sins, that we live the duties of our state in life, 
And all of that is God's express will. And so we have to make an effort, right? Struggle to do that. The other aspect of God's will is called his permissive will. And God's permissive will is that God allows things to happen even if they're against his express will, even if they seem to go against our good or the good of the church or the good of his loved ones. Nothing happens without God, at least permitting it. And if he permits it, if it seems bad, somehow it will turn to our good, right? If we're faithful. St. Paul says that all things work into the good for those who love God. And so if we think about that, if we think about, you know, in himself, God is total peace. There's nothing wrong with God. And sometimes if we're going through a tough time, people might say to us, Hey, what's wrong? And we might say, Oh, it's this or that. This thing's bothering me. I'm worried about this or that, this other thing. This bad thing happened. Well, if you say to God, kind of inside of God, in his divinity as such, Hey, what's wrong? He's going to say, Absolutely nothing. Everything is just fine. And the things that seem wrong, don't worry. I'm going to make them eventually just fine too. Either through my justice or through my mercy. What's wrong, God? The answer is nothing. And since that God loves us, and since all these things that trouble us in this world, all the things that make us lose our hope at times, or be tempted to a certain despair or a certain agitation. They're all illusory. They're all, they're all passing. They're all nothing compared to God. Compared to God's nature, his infinite, loving, peaceful nature. And compared to his action, which will make all things right. All tears will be wiped away. Revelation tells us. Behold, I make all things new, Jesus, you say in the book of Revelation. Julian of Norwich, famous mystic, summarizes this aspect of our faith. She says, and all manner of things will be well. And all manner of things will be well. And so when we ask the question, well, how can I be at peace in a world that is so conflicted? How can I be at peace when... My own defects are so apparent to me. Of course, we have to work at them, but we have to work at them with peace. And how can I be at peace when I have these family problems, these other things? Well, we have to connect with God's will. Okay, God is patient with that problem or that person that is so worrisome to you or so so problematic for you. God is patient with you, right? God's okay with the fact that your defects are taking a little bit longer than you would like them to to take to overcome. God is patient with all the situations in the world, no matter how terrible they seem at a certain level. God is okay with them for now. And therefore, we can be too. The saints call God's will a divine harbor. To accept God's will, both the permissive and the express will of God, 
is to be safe. It's to be in a divine harbor, the safety of a divine harbor. St. Catherine of Siena talks a lot about this, about loving God's will. And she talks about it explicitly as a way not to give in to judgment of other people, not to give in to a kind of critical lack of charity when we see the defects of others. She says, if someone is bad, well, God is letting them be bad, right? God is okay with that. And and how God will reconcile that or deal with it, how God will punish that person or convert that person is up to him, right? If you can do something about it, if you're supposed to do something about it, well, then you do it. But if you can't do anything about it or you're not supposed to do anything about it, well, then you love God's will. You accept that God is letting them be in this way, even if it's a bad way. You love God's will and you don't judge the person as if you were God. You don't make yourself interiorly responsible for fixing problems and other people are fixing problems in the world that you can't fix. Now, this is not this piece that we're talking about here, Lord Jesus loving your will, both express and permissive, is not a call to quietism. It doesn't mean we don't do anything to make things better. It doesn't mean we don't work hard to educate our children well and to build a better society. It doesn't mean we don't really throw our hearts and minds into making things better and addressing the serious problems that we face in our families and in our communities and in our schools. To say we accept God's will is not to shut off responsibility for making things better. That's part of God's express will, right? That's part of what we know God wants us to do to sanctify ourselves and sanctify our work and sanctify the world, to bring things to God. And that takes an effort. But it should be a confident and a peaceful effort, an effort filled with the hope that God is helping us. And so the results are in his hands. And we're going to do our best and we're going to strive and we're going to fight, but we're going to do so with a certain peace and confidence and a lack of bitterness and a lack of of enmity and a lack of vengeance when our enemies hurt us. We have to do it in a Christian way, a Christian way. If it's going to work and if it's going to help us get to heaven, which is the whole point of our life. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so sometimes, many times, we really, we reach a kind of limit of our own capacity to love other people because they're difficult or because they're contrary or because they're doing damage to us, to others, to society. 
And so our own hearts become kind of incapable of loving them. Perhaps at times we don't even want to pray for them. Right? We can be filled with a kind of anger which keeps us from having goodwill for others. And then it's really a matter of remembering this, that we have God's love in our heart. In the state of grace, when we're baptized in the state of grace, hope does not disappoint. We can still hope for good things, no matter what we're seeing, no matter where we're going through. Hope is reliable. Hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This means that when we realize the limitations of our own love, of our own goodwill, we have to pray, we have to tap into the love of God that we have in our heart. You might not be able to love your enemies, but God can love them through you. On your own, you might not be able to love and forgive those who are contrary or those who are doing serious evils to other people or in society. But you can, if you, if you tap into God's love for you, right? If you let God's love do it for you and through you. And so there again, it's just a matter of uniting our will to God's will. Say, Lord, your will be done. You love everyone. You love people who are pushing radical, terrible agendas in schools that do terrible damage to families. You want us to fight that. You want us to come up with solutions. You want us to educate our own children and learn how to speak about these things. Absolutely, he wants us to do things. But you love those people, Lord, so I love them too. And I pray for them. And I forgive them. And I let you be there. I let you be their judge. And it doesn't rob me of my peace. Because I know that your infinite nature and your infinite mercy is incomparable to all the evil of the world and all of the ill will in the world and all of the falsity in the world combined. All of sin put together combined is no match for the mercy of God. St. Therese of Lisieux says it's like a little drop of water falling into a furnace. Right? All the terrible worst crimes you could ever commit are like just a drop of water falling into a furnace compared to God's love. Evaporated in a second. And St. Faustina says, all the sins are just like a little piece of straw falling into a burning fire, a blazing fire. Got no chance. Incinerated. And so we can remain at peace no matter what is happening if we're true believers. But do I really believe do I believe that God is infinite? Do I believe that God is all-powerful? Do, do I believe that God is all-merciful? Do I believe that Jesus Christ died for every single man and woman? Do I believe in God's providence that he will turn all things to the good for those who love him? Because if we don't really believe and strengthen our belief by reflecting on these things, by applying them to our own life, by applying them to the problems in society... Right? If we don't really believe, well, then, of course we're not going to be peaceful. If we don't believe in an afterlife, if we don't believe in eternity, if we don't believe in God, the power of God, to change evil into good, to bring good out of evil, 
well, then of course we're going to despair. Of course we're going to lack peace. So there's this connection here in St. Paul between peace and hope. And hope and God's love and our power to love because God's love is in us. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were yet helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is super important. Lord Jesus, you died for us while we were yet sinners. And so the fact that we're not sinners anymore because is because of your grace and our paltry correspondence. And so the difference between me and the worst sinner is not that big of a difference. Right? Christ loved me as a sinner and he loves them as a sinner. And so to divide the world into evil people and good people is a fool's game. Right? We're all sinners who need God's grace. And even if we responded to that grace, we need God's continued grace and mercy to not offend him. And so when we see the worst sinners, our reaction should be compassion, trying to help them in some way. Telling God we're sorry for the offenses that they commit against him. Trying to limit, of course, the effects of their wrongdoing. But it can't be, oh, they're the bad people and I'm the good one. Because that's not reality, right? The reality is this. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Obviously, this doesn't mean that we don't help people to convert. There is sin, and sins are bad, and sins hurt people. And we spread the gospel, and we try to teach people morality and and give them access to God's grace, which will help them overcome their sinfulness. And this is a particular difficulty of our time, is that people don't recognize what sins are or why certain things are wrong. And so evangelization becomes harder because you have to like convince someone that they need Christ, they need a savior, they need to stop doing certain things because they're bad before you can share Christ with them or, or before they'll be open to, to being helped by Christ. But that's perfectly fine, right? This is the time that our Lord has let us live in. This is why Christians are here. This is part of his plan, at least his permissive will has let this happen. He's going to bring good out of it. In every difficult time, God raises up not just saints, but great saints to help the church and help the world live through those times. And so there's no reason to despair. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God with the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And all of this joyfully, we cannot lose our joy as Christians. There's always a source of joy in our lives as Christians. And so the psalm 
even in this penitential season of Lent, looks forward to the joy of Easter. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. O come, let us worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Let us worship and bow down. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. And so just like even though there's all sorts of reasons for agitation at a certain level of our soul, there's all sorts of reasons for worry in the world and in our communities and in the church, we can still be at peace. We can still be at Bonnie Dunes saying, ah, the serenity, ah, the serenity. Because we're connected to the reality that God is bigger than all this and we're in God's hands. So too, there will be reasons for sadness and reasons for distress and reasons for a lack of joy. And nevertheless, because our hope is in the Lord who created heaven and earth. And because as the prophet Nehemiah says, my strength is the joy of the Lord. And my strength is the happiness of God. Well, if we put our mind on those things, we put everything in the context of our faith, which again, we have to believe it. We have to believe it. And to believe it, we have to pray and think about things in the right way and process and, and judge things in the light of our faith and not in the light of our immediate situation or not in the light of uh, a news outlet or a blog that we read in the light of our faith. Well, if we judge things in the light of our faith and we really believe these things, we could be happy even though there are uh, serious reasons for sadness and disappointment in this life. Gaudium cum pace, an old prayer of the church, says that, right? Joy with peace, Gaudium cum pace. And St. Josemaria took that and incorporated it into the, the precious or the prayers that the faithful of Opus Dei pray every day. You can find those online at opusdei.org. <laughs> Gaudium cum pace, joy with peace, joy with peace. Lord Jesus, you are our peace and you are our joy. Help us to judge everything and even feel everything in accordance with the truth that you are so good, that you love us, that you reconciled us with God, that God is all-powerful, that God loves everyone, all sinners, all sinners. God is love. All God can do is love. And so all manner of things will be well. Everything will be okay. What's wrong? Nothing. In the end, nothing is wrong. And right now for God, and therefore in a sense for us, nothing is wrong. As long as we stay in the divine harbor of God's will, trying to do his express will, returning to it, uh, returning to his friendship if we ever commit a serious sin or a mortal sin. And then we'll experience, as St. Paul says, the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ which surpasses all understanding. And we'll be able to say, ah, the serenity. What a peaceful time. What a peaceful existence. What a peaceful life I have. Even though I'm striving, even though 
I'm belabored. Even though I've got a million things to do. Even though I'm worried about all sorts of people and things, of course. But I'm trusting in God. And so at the same time, I can say, ah, the serenity. And experience the peace of Christ or the peace of God. Paul puts it in two ways. The peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding keeps our minds and hearts safe in Jesus Christ. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Give peace to this conflicted time. Bring peace to the conflict between nations. We can think of Russia and Ukraine, of course. Bring peace to the conflict within our own societies, warring factions or ideological parties. Bring peace to our families which suffer the effects of evils in our culture and our society. Bring peace to our own hearts and help us to be sowers of peace and joy in the felicitous expression of St. Josemaria. Help us to be sowers of peace and joy because we know that God loves us and we know that all manner of things will be well. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.